0: Welcome to The Goodness Podcast, the Middle East's first platform dedicated to tackling women's health in a real and honest way. I'm your host, Noor Tahini. My guest on the podcast today is Sandra Sharp, a functional medicine health coach living in Dubai. She works with women who have hormonal imbalances, including thyroid, PCOS, and PMS, educating and empowering them to take control of their health. All right, and we're back. This is part two of my conversation with Sandra Sharp. In part one, we discussed her personal journey and thyroid cancer diagnosis, and we're now going to dive into hormonal imbalances, PCOS, inflammation, and functional medicine. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Welcome back, Sandra. Thank you very much. So was it following your diagnosis that you decided to become a functional medicine health coach, or was it something that you had started before?
1: No, I started before. Um, I actually got certified a little over a year ago as a functional medicine health coach. But as a health coach, I was certified uh, about two years ago. Okay. But I specifically concentrated on functional medicine in the last uh, year and a half.
0: So from my understanding of functional medicine, you'll tell me if I'm right or wrong. And you maybe can explain in more depth to mm-hmm. our, our audience what functional medicine is. But what I understood about functional medicine is that the ranges that you look at for what is considered normal is different to what is to to what traditional medicine does, or not traditional, rather like modern medicine, conventional, conventional yeah. medicine mm-hmm. exactly. So, you know, conventional medicine they'll tell you, oh, if you're between one and five for like if you do a blood test or whatever uh, hormone test, that they say if you're between one and five, then you're good. Whereas with functional medicine, the range is actually much smaller and much more personal. So it's not this massive average of six of sick people, it's 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 more personal to what your health is. Have I explained it terribly?
1: No, you haven't. Okay. But I'll just I'll add to that. I'll start off by saying functional medicine differs from conventional medicine because it really focuses on the individual. Mm. So you are as a functional medicine doctor, you are treating patients as an individual and looking at the root causes of whatever disease they have. So if they come to you with diabetes or with PCOS or any of these things, um, you would look at the root cause rather than as conventional medicine would do, most likely would prescribe you a medication and just like mask the symptoms and treat the symptoms. So functional medicine looks at the root causes of these situations and of these illnesses and treats the actual root cause of that. When it comes to testing, yes, you are right in that the range is different because they look at something called a suboptimal Uh, or sorry, subclinical readings. So, for example, a lot of people go to conventional doctors and they get a blood test and they'll say, for example, the range of, you know, your thyroid-stimulating hormone is, let's say, for example, 1 to 5, and they have like 1.5 or 1.2. And they'll tell them, oh, it's completely fine, it's normal because it's between 1 and 5. Whereas a functional medicine doctor would look at that and say, you are actually on the very low end of that range and you probably have slightly like in your case a slightly sluggish mm. thyroid for example because they come to them with symptoms like you know i'm super tired i have this you know unexplainable weight gain but they're like no you're fine it's it's all right you you're in in range but clearly you're not because you feel it um, so that's what different differs mm. between functional and conventional now there is a very misconceived or you know, yeah, misconceived notion, I would say that if you are, you know, living a healthy lifestyle and all of this stuff, you should never, ever, ever have to depend on medication. And that's a very big pressure and uh, that we put on ourselves that like, if we ever have to take medicine, then we've somehow failed. And I think that that's a a very wrong way of looking at health and wellness. And, And there's this like, you know, pressure i think that a lot of people put on themselves that being health healthy and and you know taking care of themselves means that you'll never ever have to be on medication you'll never ever have to do a surgery mm. and that's just unrealistic like the best thing is to obviously depend on things like your lifestyle your health your diet all of these things but of course you know there are some instances where you, where you will need medication the problem with conventional medicine now is that it's just we're being overprescribed medication. We're being over-prescribed antibiotics. But we should be very grateful that we have those options at our dispos- disposal because obviously they're making us survive mm. in cases like, for example, myself or thousands and millions of other people who get you know diseases that they can't reverse right away through healthy living. So there should definitely be a balance of both.
0: In functional medicine, there's also a belief or an understanding that a lot of the diseases that we're faced with today are caused by inflammation. Yes. Including diabetes type two diabetes, for mm-hmm. example. Is it type two that's type two type two yeah. diabetes, which is like the most rampant in in the UAE or mm-hmm. this part of the world? Yeah. So this, so there's a there's an understanding that inflammation is, is at the cause of so so many of these chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of the more common diseases that people would be familiar with that you that can be attributed to inflammation?
1: So number one would be heart disease, uh, diabetes, cancer. Most of the, you know, chronic illnesses.
0: Aging as well, aging. right? Aging. Which is not really a disease, but yeah. some people call it, an, like some people say that it is a disease of inflammation.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, um, inflammation, well, let's... Let's be clear though on inflammation versus chronic inflammation, because mm. that's what is the cause of that is chronic inflammation. We need inflammation. Our immune system, like for example, if you get a paper cut, if your body doesn't have inflammation, you'll bleed to death. Mm. But um, the inflammation is your immune system's response to that paper cut. So, you know, that's why we swell. That's why, you know, the, the area around our cut gets red. This is all your immune system's response. But When you are constantly triggering that and it lingers in your body, that's when it becomes a problem because it's like a constant state of alert. Mm. Um, So it's just added stress on your body, and that's where it starts causing all these diseases. Mm -hmm. And
0: what are signs of inflammation, like telltale signs of inflammation?
1: So a lot of signs of inflammation you can find in your gut um, a lot of people have symptoms like bloating, you, you know, leaky gut, that you, or or intestinal permeability. Um, it's AKA leaky gut. You know, you feel sluggish, you feel tired, you get breakouts on your skin. A lot of people have acne flare-ups. Uh, this is these are all signs of inflammation. You know, unwanted weight gain, weight that you can't you know, uh, um, take off. these. This is all signs of inflammation.
0: Okay. And what does the treatment for inflammation look like?
1: So I wouldn't say it's a treatment. I would say it's mostly just managing your lifestyle. So mostly it would be related to diet and stress. And diet and stress go hand in hand. So the more stressed you are, the less healthy choices you make for your food. And um, you can beat inflammation 100% through your diet. Without managing your stress? Well, they go hand in hand. So definitely you should be managing your stress, but you can directly fight inflammation through Through your diet diet, um, by eating an anti-inflammatory diet. Which is? So anti-inflammatory diet means eliminating all the inflammatory foods such as soy, corn, Red meat, dairy for a lot of people.
0: Is this what they call a FODMAP diet, or is FODMAP like the extreme of that?
1: So FODMAP is eating low glycemic index foods, so the foods that don't raise your blood sugar. Okay, so high. that's not nothing to do with inflammation. Um, it you can have a you can eat a low FODMAP diet if you've got something like SIBO, so like bacterial uh, issues with your stomach. So a lot of doctors will tell you to eat a FODMAP diet. But you, it's not necessarily an, an anti-inflammatory. What about nightshades? Nightshades are infl- inflammatory for a lot of people. They used to be super inflammatory for me until I completely eliminated them and then started reintroducing them. And that's a, what a lot of people can actually do is you can start eliminating foods that you find inflammatory and those are the staple inflammatory foods. So I would say like in, eliminate them for two weeks to a month Uh, or even a few months, and then start slowly reintroducing them into your diet and see how your body reacts to them. And when you start introducing them one by one, if you see any triggers or anything, then it's probably better that you just avoid them.
0: So nightshades are tomatoes, eggplants, peppers, right? Mostly. And potatoes. And potatoes. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) French
1: fries. (laughs) Um, So why would something like red meat be inflammatory? So red meat, a lot of the time, like, for example, people in the Mediterranean eat red meat and it's completely fine. Like one of the healthiest diets is the Mediterranean diet. But a lot of the time, the way the cows are raised Mm. and taken care of, especially conventionally, their their diets, what they're eating, um, how they're raised, obviously contributes to being more inflammatory and the fact that they're being injected more and more with hormones and antibiotics and all of these things, this is what's causing us to ingest these things and what's causing um, inflam- inflammatory triggers in our body. Mm. So that's why you can still eat red meat. It's Red meat is not the enemy. Um, red meat is full of iron. It's super healthy, but you have to be very picky with the source mm-hmm. of meat that you're getting. I don't personally believe in cutting out anything like any ma- major food group, but just don't eat it on a super regular basis yeah. because it is more inflammatory than in nature it's more inflammatory than uh, things like fish or white meat. So and and it's nice
0: to hear you say that you don't uh, you don't recommend cutting out any major food groups because I think for a very long time the definition of healthy was like to be healthy you had to have like subtracted like 15 different yeah. food groups from your diet and like exactly. be super restricted. Yes. But I, I think what you're saying is focus on what you're adding in more than what you're subtracting, right? So add exactly. all these uh, things that support your thyroid, that support a reduction of inflammation, mm-hmm. leafy greens, nuts, yes, things like berries,
1: that. healthy fats. And I think that that's 100% true. And, and I think for a very long time, the fad diet culture has completely brainwashed people with what is considered healthy. Mm low fat, low carb, uh, high protein, no carb, no grain, like Mm. no dairy. But it's just really overwhelmed people. And people are so confused, like, what the hell am I supposed to be actually be eating? Mm. So I always say, like, unless you have a medical issue, where you have to cut out gluten, for example, like celiac disease, or, you know, you have some severe acne flare-ups because of dairy. Then yes, stop it. And you can avoid it. You can you know reintroduce it later on. But I wouldn't say cut out anything. We need everything. Our body thrives on everything. Um, we need our healthy grains. We need our healthy protein. We need our healthy fats. We need a lot of micronutrients from our uh, vegetables and fruits and phytonutrients mm-hmm. and. So you need everything, but it just matters how much of what you're eating. Um, Is your diet
0: entirely made up of processed foods? Exactly.
1: So, you know, just high quality, whole foods, stop eating stuff out of boxes and packages and just focus on real, unprocessed food. Mm -hmm. And you will, just from that simple thing, uh, simple change in your life, you will see a huge difference. And that is how I work with my clients, even, you know, I, I don't believe in restrictive dieting. I don't believe in cutting anything out unless, like I said, you have a medical reason to, but it's all about learning what works for your body. It's all about eating in moderation. It's all about really living your life now and just being the healthiest doing it rather than, okay, let me stop eating this and stop eating this and stop eating this, stop eating this and being miserable for it Mm. because that just doesn't help you either. No longevity. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel
0: like the health industry or our understanding of health and wellness is, you know, constantly evolving. And, and as new research and new concepts become, get introduced to us, you know, we, we our, our understanding evolves. And I feel like stress and stress management and sleep mm-hmm. became mainstream just a few years ago. You know, yeah. like obviously doctors have known it's important for a long time or, or certain doctors have known. And um, if, if you look at cultures and and, um, and different, you know, traditions around the world, s- sleep and stress management is incorporated within their rituals and things like that. But it's only recently become a thing for us mm-hmm. where we're like, oh, what? You need to sleep? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need to manage our stress yeah. and, you know, meditation yeah. and all of these um, tools to help us sleep better and so on. And and I think what's really interesting is is how much it's become clear to us the role played by lack of sleep or stress on our bodies. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's not just nutrition and fitness that affects your health, and it's not just what you put inside your body, but it's even your mental state.
1: Yes, 100%. You know, there's a saying that is like, you can eat all the kale in the world, but that doesn't mean you're healthy. Mm. And it's 100% true because it's it's definitely not just about food. Sleep is super, super underrated and so important just from, you know— I mean, not sleeping is an actual stress on your body. Mm. Not eating enough is an actual stress. So, people who do like intermittent fasting for hours and hours and hours—that's still stress on your body, and that still raises cortisol. Uh, so, these are all factors of stress, and and I I definitely think that you know it's super important to be to have a daily routine or things that you do in your in your you know life that does counterbalance the extreme stress of our lives. I mean, we live in a world that is super, you know, alert all the time. Yeah. We're, we're always on our phones. We're always on our screens. We're busy. We're here. We're there. We've got kids. We're doing a million things, especially as women now. Like, we are literally doing everything. We're working. We're raising children. We're taking care of ourselves. We're, you know, here. We're there. We're And with our increase of roles in our lives— our stress has just increased and increased and increased and I think that's where we really have to take time for ourselves and you know have your 30 minutes of alone time you know do your five minutes of meditation in the morning have like a nighttime ritual that you do and these are all super super important to just counterbalance mm-hmm. all the, the stuff you go through daily yeah yeah so super important. yeah
0: we worked on an on an article with a doctor, a functional medicine doctor in Dubai called Dr. Naz Al Jafari. Do you know him? He's a yeah. DNA Yeah,
1: yeah, he's uh, DNA Health, I think, I
0: it's, think called. it's called yeah, part of Talis or something. Yeah, yeah. And and he had done a piece for us on how inflammation is closely linked to type 2 diabetes or 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 what is is the cause of type 2 diabetes. And he had listed all of these things that cause us to be inflamed in our modern lives and what Mm -hmm. I found really interesting there were two things that he had noted in there that I thought were interesting was one the fact that we don't spend enough time in nature anymore and that we actually nature is an anti-inflammatory time in nature is anti-inflammatory for our bodies and the other one that I thought was interesting was he said that we live a lot of our days and evenings actually and nights with artificial light Mm -hmm. and that artificial light and halogen lights I think they're called and all of that and, and not Sort of sleeping
1: when the sun goes when the sun down. goes
0: down and, yeah. and waking up or, or close enough yes. to that is an inflammatory. Yeah. It can cause inflammation.
1: Yes, definitely. So yeah, like I said, I mean the modern our modern way of life has just increased inflammation. Like woo, yay, everything, everything, everything we do, <laughs> everything we do is inflammatory. But, I mean, obviously, like, we can't control everything. You know, yes, 100% be in nature more. Um, I think, you know, now that the weather's better here in Dubai, just get out. Um, Especially after we've been cooped up for months and months and months. It's been, like, the longest summer in history. So, yeah, I 100% agree that nature does wonders for your soul, for your mind, for everything. Also, like, the lighting Definitely. Blue light now is like one of the number one causes for uh, insomnia and lack of sleep quality. Um, So, you know, invest in some blue light blocking glasses. Stop looking at your screen an hour before. I mean, I still have to do things like that. You know, I still check emails and stuff before bed. And and it's something that I'm working on personally. But I have seen a major difference after I bought the blue light blocking glasses. Um, I don't get as you know, much, I used to get really bad um, fatigue and anxiety and stuff right before bed. So it's definitely helped. But it is something that I'm still working on to stop completely. So
0: what's the link between inflammation and hormonal imbalance? And is there a link?
1: Yeah, definitely. So Inflammation can definitely contribute and does definitely contribute to hormonal imbalances. So, for example, if you have PCOS, uh, which is polycystic ovary syndrome, you know, inflammation is a huge precursor to that. And also, you know, the fact that your insulin level is really high, you've got insulin resistance, and, and that causes an imbalance in those hormones. So, number one Solution for PCOS is diet and lifestyle, Um, and what a lot of doctors will say is that oh, you should just go on the pill, which is something that like just makes me so angry because the pill does nothing for PCOS and for hormonal um, masks
0: symptoms. That's exactly it
1: masks symptoms, and you're not dealing with the root cause. So, you know, I think inflammation, definitely. Uh, All these inflammatory triggers, like we've spoke about diet, food, stress, sleep, all of these things uh, causes hormonal imbalances. So like the cortisol levels, if your cortisol is too high, that's an imbalance in hormones. Um, If your TSH is not working properly, your thyroid hormone isn't working properly. It's mostly due to environmental toxins, to um, inflammatory foods, to, you know, obviously there are genetic uh, factors that play a role, but Genetic factors in these things are play like a 10% role as opposed to the 90% role of how you live your life.
0: I heard someone say once a really interesting um, quote. It was, genes load the gun, but it's the environment know, that, that, that pulls the, the
1: trigger. trigger. Yes, yeah. exactly. Definitely. So if your body is in a state of constant stress, inflammation, all of these stuff, that's you're just fueling. Yeah these diseases. So
0: when it comes to PCOS, the approach is, is diet and lifestyle. I, I've spoken to Dr. Heather Eid, who's at uh, Novomed, and she is a naturopath and she does so much work around PCOS and, and with women who have PCOS. And she she says that it's, it, it's entirely curable.
1: Yes, it is. It is definitely curable. It takes time and it takes patience, mm. but it is definitely curable and it is definitely curable through diet and lifestyle. You don't need to be on the pill um, unless, you know, for contraceptive reasons, but it is not a solution to your PCOS or PMS symptoms.
0: I was talking to a friend of mine about hormones recently, and, and we both agreed that we think of hormones as these like little scary monsters that we don't understand. And mm-hmm. But if there was just a way to simplify and explain to women what each hormone in our body did, then it would help us understand ourselves so much better, right? Because Mm -hmm. to a certain extent, they do, maybe not control is the word, but they do greatly impact everything about us from our appetite to our focus, to our sex drive, to our weight. And I think that's one of the incredible things about about being a woman is just how different you can be every day and how, but also it's, it's a very, it's a very complicated field. And if there was a way to simplify it and explain it to women, like I was saying, I think it would, you know, we said in the beginning of episode one, that one of the things that you do is empower women to understand Mm -hmm. and take control of their own health. And I think understanding our hormones is a big part of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's what I'm, I I try to do, like, you know, with my clients, I try to help them understand, you know, what does insulin do? What does cortisol Mm -hmm. do? Uh, What does estrogen and progesterone Mm -hmm. do? what, you know, what does it actually mean to have polycystic ovaries? And, you know, your, for example, thyroid stimulating hormone, a lot of people don't know that your thyroid controls like an insane amount of your major body functions from your metabolic rate to your digestion, to your heart, to your brain development, to, you know, it's like a massive data center for all these major functions in your body. So if your thyroid levels aren't right, pretty much, like most of your body isn't functioning properly. So it's really important to make women a lot more aware. And I think what we really need to understand is that women have actually been omitted from so many studies and so much research when it comes to nutrition, health and fitness, they've just been excluded. So we there is so much information that women need to be, you know, made aware of uh, when it comes to their own bodies. And it's been dictated by people who have no idea how all the women's, bo- women's bodies actually work and by doctors who aren't differentiating between what a woman needs versus what a man needs.
0: I recently heard something about that that kind of blew my mind. And I don't know the numbers and I don't want to get them wrong, so look them up. But women have only been included in medical trials for a few decades now. And for the longest time... Everything was just tested on men and on male rats, actually, or male mice. And I think the number was 80% of the medicines that have been pulled off of shelves, hospital and pharmacy shelves, were pulled, pulled off of them because they had a negative impact on women's um, reproductive health and and their hormones because they were never tested on them to begin with. Yeah. And there was even a drug for menopause that was that the trial was done on men.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is just so
0: mind-blowing. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's mind-blowing. Honestly, like it's it's crazy how much false information is out there. Mm. You know, even when it comes to our periods like women think that you know, we're meant to have these terrible agonizing, horrible cramps and like mood Mood swings swings and PMS symptoms. And that's completely wrong. And then they go to the doctor and the doctor gives them a pill to manage that. And it's just mind-blowing because you could literally fix all of that with just simple food choices, lifestyle choices. And we're not meant to have bad cramps. We're not meant to have these like ridiculous mood swings. Um, This is all just like your body, it's as if you get a fever, for example, mm-hmm. and your body's just like, hello, you know, ding dong, there's obviously something wrong. And that's, you know, things I've seen with my own clients. Like when I've taught them about certain kinds of food choices and, and you know, switching from this to that, I've had so many PCOS clients who came back to me saying like, I've never felt like this. You know, I've been on the pill for years. I'm going to get off of it. I've, I haven't have had cramps in like three months. And that's insane. Um, you know, people who, who've been suffering from, like, severe PMS symptoms just stopped feeling these crazy cramps. Mm. And that was all from very simple lifestyle choices. Yeah. So, you know, and for them, they were like, this is mind-blowing. And, you know, I've lost 10 kilos and I've, you know... So it's, it's really like there's so much that's within our own control that we don't know about and we haven't been educated on. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's interesting about PMS because I've... um been, I just finished reading a book called Wild Wild Power. Have you heard of it? Wild Power? No, I, haven't. I think it's called Wild Power. Unless I'm getting it wrong, I'm, I'm 99% sure it's called Wild Power. <laughs> Wild Who's the author? Power. It's two, the two women who founded a, a school in the U.S. called Red School. So it's like a oh. menstrual cycle yeah. awareness. There's
1: a lot of these now in yeah. the U.S. that are popping up. There's also um, Nicole Jardim. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's also like a period activist. She no. like, fixes your uh-huh. period.
0: Basically. No, yeah. Nice. But but basically, they, the way that they look at the menstrual cycle is, is much more... It's not really on like a... Um, I don't want to say scientific but it's not so much on like a biological level explaining what your body is doing but it's like on the more spiritual level so what each phase means for you as yes. a woman mm-hmm. and they say that if you have bad PMS symptoms it means that something's wrong it means that you're not slowing down and caring for yourself yes. enough and I think Alicia Vidi
1: yes, a flow
0: yeah Alicia Vidi a flow who takes a much more scientific approach to things yes. says the same thing in a different way yeah. you know that if you have bad PMS, bad cramps, bad mood swings, it is a sign that something is wrong and that mm-hmm. there's an imbalance. So definitely, if if this is something that, you know, relates to you, listener, yeah. um, and that you can you can identify with, it's worth getting checked.
1: Yes, 100%.
0: You mentioned intermittent fasting earlier on in the podcast. And I wanted to ask you about that because it's a big trend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a big trend for a few years now. And so many women I know have, have tried it. But I have seen some more recent research that indicates that that actually intermittent fasting the the trials and the tests were done on men, not on women. Yeah and that it is actually detrimental to women's health, especially in their reproductive years. Yes. Have you seen anything about that? Yes.
1: Funnily enough, I actually just posted about it the other day on social media. So yes. So intermittent fasting, uh, there's been loads of tests that have been documented on males and post-menopausal women. And it's been found that the results or the benefits of intermittent fasting, such as, you know, cognitive function, you know, balanced blood sugar. Restarting your metabolism. Restarting your metabolism, your cellular health uh, and regeneration, all of these things. The benefits of of IF are amazing for males and women post-menopause. However, during the reproductive years, if you are Um, fasting like you are meant to in intermittent fasting, which is like, you know, 16 to 20 hours, the benefits actually are reversed. So you are going to get, you know, a lot more sluggish, you're going to have, uh, you're going to worsen your insulin sensitivity, you're going to shrink your ovaries, and you know, it causes infertility, you know, there's just like loads of, of issues with intermittent fasting as a woman. It completely shatters your hormone balance. Wow. So in your reproductive years, the best range, they say, of fasting is a 12-hour fast, maximum 14 hours mm-hmm. if your body can handle that. But A lot of women can't go to 14 hours because they feel really tired. You know, a lot of women say like, well, it cured my IBS or it or, or, you know, it helped me maintain my weight. But then they have other issues that they didn't, you know, that they're not aware of. Um, And in the long term, it's definitely going to cause you more harm than good if you are in your reproductive years. Okay.
0: If someone listening to this podcast suspects that something's up. Mm-hmm. That they have inflammation or that their hormones aren't right, or that you know, like they keep putting on weight and they can't explain it, or their sleep or whatever it is, is just feels out of whack, and yeah. they have this certainty that something is, or this is, it's they wrong. believe that something is wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What would you advise that they do?
1: So, the first thing is get checked. Mm. Um, I would, I always you know, tell my clients um, the the best and best thing for you to do first is to go get a blood test, full blood work. If you can test your levels of vitamin D, get a full thyroid profile. So that includes your TSH, your T3, your T4 and your antibodies. Mm. Yes. Because uh, things like autoimmune disease, you know, a lot of doctors just don't do a full full thyroid profile and they miss out on things. So make sure it's a full thyroid profile and then get your hormones checked. So check for your insulin, your cortisol, make sure you know you've got your vitamin D levels are optimal, um, your calcium, all of these things. Uh, It's just good to constantly be checking on your body. And that's something that I think a lot of women need to do more of on a, you know, monthly, uh, sorry, not monthly, on a yearly basis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more, you know, and the earlier, you know, the the better you can manage. So don't, you know, if you feel like something is out of whack, don't ignore it. I know so many women who reached out, out to me during my thyroid cancer diagnosis and when I've shared everything that told me, you know, I ignored this uh, such and such symptom. And, you know, now I have stage three cancer or, you know, whatever. So, really don't ignore anything. If something is wrong, listen to your body, go get checked, speak to your doctor. And then, you know, if you need help and guidance and coaching uh, in changing your lifestyle habits in learning more about a healthy diet and all of that, you know, that's where I would hopefully come in. And how can people get in touch with you? So the best way, you can find me on Instagram at sandrajh.sharp with an E at the end. And um, you can just message me there. That's probably the easiest way. I'm very active with my DMs and and when people get in touch with me. So I also have a link in my bio. You can apply directly for a free consultation with me if you want to just have a chat, um, if you have any questions. So just don't hesitate to contact me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you so much for having me. Today. I loved speaking to you. Have a lovely day. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening today. If you're not familiar with goodness, head to www.goodness.me to access the online platform and articles and follow us at goodness on Instagram. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and share it. And we'll see you next week.